Welcome to this episode of Beads Podcast, a weekly reflection on church history with Dr. Michael A.G. Haken. Dr. Haken serves as the chair and professor of church history at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he is on the core faculty of Heritage Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. He's also a fellow of the Royal Historical Society in recognition of his contributions to historical scholarship. Join us now as we seek to see what God has done in the history of his people. In the late 1740s, Jonathan Edwards, who has been recently described as America's Augustine, found himself at odds with his congregation in Northampton, Massachusetts, a congregation that he had served for the previous 20 years. The issue dividing him from most of his congregation had to do with the qualifications for partaking of the Lord's Supper. His grandfather, Solomon Stoddard, who had been the pastor of the church for some 60 years prior to Edwards being called in 1729, had maintained that the Lord's Supper was a converting ordinance. In the 1690s, he had introduced a policy that came to be called in time Stoddardianism, in which he allowed to partake of the table those men and women in his congregation who could affirm that Jesus was the Savior of the world and whose lives were generally uh, upright in, and moral. By the late 1740s, though, Edwards confessed that he had for some years been bothered by this policy, and he had gone back to the earliest congregational vision, congregationalist vision, namely that those who partake of the table must have a saving experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. The issue came to a head in 1750. A vote was taken, and the vast majority of the congregation voted to dismiss Edwards as their pastor. But he had nowhere to go initially, and so for a number of months he stayed in, in uh, Northampton, Massachusetts, until finally, in the latter part of 1750, he accepted a call to become the pastor of a church in a small, out-of-the-way frontier village, namely in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. What prompted Edwards? To settle with his family in this small frontier town. Some have surmised that Edward settled here because the rigors of ministry among a smaller congregation would prove minimal, and he could therefore devote himself largely to his study and the major treatises that he would write during his time in Stockbridge, uh, Freedom of the Will, Original Sin, The Nature of True Virtue. These all flowed out from his pen during the 1750s, and during his time then when he was pastor of this church in Stockbridge from 1751 to 1757. In other words, some have viewed Edwards' time in Stockbridge almost like that of an academic scholar on an extended sabbatical. Samuel Hopkins, one of, his, uh, one of the men that he mentored for pastoral ministry and who had lived with the Edwardses, in the earliest memoir of his mentor, seems to imply something like this when he states that God gave Edwards, quote, a quiet retreat, end of quote, at Stockbridge where he could pursue his writing. This view has been furthered by the belief that Edwards simply preached rehashed sermons from his Northampton years. But an initial clue as to why Edwards came to Stockbridge is found in the geographical locale of the home in which Edwards and his family lived during their sojourn in Stockbridge from 1751 to 1757. Though the house is long gone, its location is marked today by a sundial, 
and it appears that Edwards purposely located it among the Mahican Indians of the town. In doing this, he was making a very clear statement, namely, that he had genuinely come to minister to these people. It is noteworthy in this regard that his son, Jonathan Edwards, Jr., who also became a minister and preacher and a president of a theological school, would later recall that his boyhood friends were all Indians and that he never spoke English outside of the immediate family circle. Edwards's large correspondence from this period of his life also reveals that his preeminent goal in this period of his life was to reach the Native Americans with a life-giving gospel. His sermons from this period show that the majority of them were not simply repeats of sermons that he had preached in Northampton, but brand new sermons, constructed with careful attention to the audience to whom they were to be preached and the end to which they were attended. Edwards also had a great desire to see the worldwide advance of the Kingdom of Christ, and he was convinced that the conversion of the peoples of North America had a place in this globalization of the Gospel. The life of David Brainerd and his work among the first peoples of America, which Edwards drew up in the late 1740s, and a book that has never been out of print, uh, would also have had an impact upon Edwards's thinking in this regard. Because as he edited and published the life and diary he, of Brainerd, he came to see Brainerd as an eminent example of genuine missionary spirituality. Moreover, Edwards had maintained an interest in the success of the Stockbridge Mission over the years and had actually persuaded his Northampton congregation to heavily invest in this work during the 1740s. This focus of Edwards's Stockbridge years, though, has not been appreciated. Clear evidence of this is the fact that up until 1999, not one of the sermons that he preached to the Stockbridge Indians had been published. A number of these sermons are now available in a volume of Edwards's sermons covering the years 1743 to 1758. It's volume 25 in the multi-volume critical edition of Edwards's works published by Yale University Press. These sermons reveal Edwards to be a missionary preacher who is able to communicate plainly and effectively in his new evangelistic sphere. Now recently, a new work by Dr. Roy Paul, entitled Jonathan Edwards and the Stockbridge Mohican Indians, His Mission and Sermons, has been published by H&E Publishing. And it's enormously welcome because Dr. Paul details clearly and robustly not only Edwards' love for the Mohican Indians and his concerns for their eternal well-being, but also the larger historical context that led to this important ministry of Edwards among these first peoples. As Dr. Paul demonstrates, Edwards' ministry had a significant legacy, not the least part of which is as an example to those today who are still vitally concerned for the expansion of the Kingdom of Christ. In recent months, Edwards has come under some criticism because he allowed uh, and was involved in the uh, uh, purchase of, of slaves, of African Americans as slaves. Although he was critical of the slave trade, he believed in the legality of slavery, and thus he and his family owned a number of slaves over the years. Edwards has been rightly criticized for this major blind spot in his thinking. 
Now, it's interesting that all of his major disciples, men like Samuel Hopkins, Joseph Bellamy, his own son, Jonathan Edwards Jr., were uh, centrally involved, critically involved in the uh, arguing for the abolition of slavery. Uh, in Newport, Rhode Island, where Samuel Hopkins was a minister, a, a town that was a critical uh, town in the, uh, equipping and outfitting ships for the slave trade. Um, Samuel Hopkins was outspoken in his attack on the slave trade and it's, it's being an abomination before a holy God. And, but Edwards, though, has been rightly criticized for his involvement in the slave trade by his purchasing of slaves. But there's a complexity here that must be appreciated. Edwards had a deep appreciation for the Stockbridge Mohican Indians. And uh, Dr. Paul brings that out. And so here is a man who on the one hand fails to understand the reprehensible nature of the, the enslavement of the African-Americans, but on the other hand, has a very different attitude towards the North American Indians than most of his European compatriots in New England held. So, please get hold of this book by uh, Dr. Roy Paul, Jonathan Edwards and the Stockbridge Mohican Indians, to see something of a side of Edwards that has not been hitherto appreciated and it can raise enormous questions about the ongoing mission of uh, the gospel in a global context. Beads Podcast is in partnership with H&E Publishing, a reformed and Canadian publishing house seeking to spread the steadfast love and faithfulness of Christ through the publication of church history, biblical spirituality, Christian living, and theology. Join us next time as we seek to see what God has done in the history of His people.